second star case files uh we're here this week to talk about conduits episode four season one of x files yeah uh, i'm just gonna dive right in this is our patreon exclusive yeah i wanted to I really quick i point, wanted to so. talk about we have our own x file going on um and it is What's that i think my i think my friend and yours bert has been replaced uh by some sort of replicant because bert's bimbo energy has just been going off the charts <laughs> Uh, what's, what's bimbo energy? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what a bimbo is. Um, we made a, I made a female, I made a male gaze, female gaze, uh, where G-A-Z-E sounds like G-A-Y-S, uh, just before the recording started, and Bert didn't get it, and so now Bert's a bimbo. We can just explain, so, I was watching Mulholland Drive for, like, the fourth time, because I love it so much, and we were talking about how this- <laughs> you, you, you didn't need to say, like- why you could have said I'm Bert and I watched Mulholland Drive for the first time. Everybody like, would oh, know, sure. yeah, yeah but yeah. Well, but I'm a himbo, so I have to explain these things because I just assume. <laughs> so okay, the point was is uh, I was explaining how like the sex scenes have no male gaze in them, and then she said, "Well, there's female gaze," and I'm like, "No, it's not really gazy at all." <laughs> I just <laughs> totally missed it. Um, yeah, <laughs> you were the guy wearing the camo. You were the guy wearing the <laughs> camo tank top in that one photo where there's the twink on the cloud staring at him. Um, there are gays in Mulholland <laughs> Drive. This is accurate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but are there gays in X Files? Um, um, well, okay. There, you could argue that in this episode, there's definitely some sort of like, um, that female tension that happens between like friends of like desire i feel like that you could read that really if you worked really hard you could read that into like the relationship what? between uh ruby and her friend there's a pregnancy Tessa. though right and they ne- well they also never th- it is entirely possible that of the number of people on motorcycles that this that this backwoods hussy rubbed off with from time to time any one of them could have been a butch with a leather jacket we don't know it's true, true. Um, there's not probably a fucking gnarly scar. <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, like, we're talking, we're talking about like the real life version of Bound here. It happens. Bound was a documentary. There's a lot of bikers. Mm-hmm. Which, um, there's there's wow. a lot of bikers in a way that I wanted to address. Kind of dates this show, or at least like problematizes the show's politics because I feel like in the year of our Lord 2020, um. Anyone looking at that bar who is who isn't like completely shut off from the zeitgeist understands that that is like a that is like a white supremacist oh, bar. That's the racist bar. Well, that's the that's the <laughs> racist bar where all the racists are, and right. they're confederate, and there's like Nazi shit and Confederate flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like back in the nineties, the only people who would have clocked that as a racist bar were like punks who right. like had to have, who really had to have, like, a solid protocol for kicking, for recognizing a bad skin and a good skin, and kicking the bad skins out of their bars before trouble got started. Yeah, I think fictional media was also really into being like, oh, bikers? What if they had a soft side and were totally not what you expect? Yeah, like this, totally not white supremacists. Right, what if they're really <laughs> into aliens and they, I don't know, they like fluffy bunnies, you know, like, that's... 
Well, I think that's most premises in the X-Files of like, what if X demographic was into aliens? Yeah. Whereas... Well, like, like if we filmed it today, it'd be like, what if Tumblr teens are really into they aliens? Are but they what are. If, they have sex with them. That's not a what if. What, what if... What if furries were really into aliens and the, they also are and really want to have honestly, sex with Honestly, full circle, most of the Tumblr teams that don't want to have sex with the ones that do want to have sex with Bill Cipher from Gravity Falls. So, um, the triangle. The triangle in the top hat. I guess we do. <laughs> so this ep- Sorry. This episode begins uh, with um, an abduction. Uh, we see young kid. There's, and I really, think, there's uh, a really bad earthquake. One of the plates slips under one of the other plates. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, this this one this episode kicks off with uh, Darlene Morris um, and her son Kevin and their daughter Ruby gets abducted. We have to talk about Kevin. The, oh boy, we do. We also have to talk about I, Darlene. Hey, wait a minute. I'm the, enough of a, I'm, I'm enough of a non himbo that I got that joke. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about this. This episode, I feel like more than oh, probably the most so far. I mean, we're only four episodes in. The guest stars in this are fucking gas. Like Carrie Snodgrass as Darlene Morris is fucking insanely good throughout this entire episode. I will say, I mean, this is also tangential, but uh, but me and Matt had me watch the first episode of Sequest DSV, and awesome, one man. fucking like like I don't know five scenes in, the bad guys are Jacques Renault from Twin Peaks and Leo Johnson from Twin Peaks in the same room, and I just went, oh my god. I don't know what Sequest is. Uh, Sequest was an incredibly optimistic, liberal sci-fi, sort of a ripoff of TNG. Um, it's about a submarine set in the near future. So, like, right now, actually, I think it's like supposed to be like 2028 or something. Yeah. Um, and there's the United Earth Oceans, which is the water version of the United Nations. And they go around solving problems and doing in a science. Big, giant and being the Enterprise yeah. in, yeah, in a giant sperm isn't the water isn't aren't international waters already overseen by the united nations and interpol well the idea was that like each nation started to lay like some sort of claims to it and this is early 90s so there's a lot of diplomacy it's very again it's so optimistic about our future and so positive because there's something i've been wondering about uh and it will continue to be kind of an issue with me with x-files or not an issue but just something that's amusing and it's that so x-files operates in a kind of alternately where x-files exists in a world where the ideal of policing as it is imagined can exist in the form of Mulder and some like good cops around the country who are like put upon by the conspiratorial forces of policing at its absolute worst as the sort of the craziest crank imagines it um except that when I think of policing the way it is quote-unquote supposed to work, um, I think of, like, someone, there has to be very obvious evidence of a crime. Having, like, I I feel like for the purpose of the story, Mulder especially occupies a very gray area between a journalist and and an officer of the law, where an officer of the law... There, and I'm also reading a Chinese novel called The City in the City, so I'm thinking a lot about police procedure, from, especially from a leftist perspective, where, like, the police, ideally, are not supposed to be able to do so much as scratch their butt crack unless a crime has been reported um, and there's, like, reasonable evidence to back it up. 
or then they and they do like a cursory investigation and there's enough evidence to back it up or there is like a, an officer stumbles across evidence of a crime having been committed mm-hmm. uh Whereas a journalist can find a lead or something they think would be interesting or something they would want to expose to, you know, the public. And then they sort of, depending on whether they're a freelancer or they work with a larger thing and they can get approval from their editors, they pursue it. And it feels like in half of the episodes, Mulder finds something that is not meaningfully a crime. And he just finds it fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. And he decides to go be a journalist, but with he decides to go be a journalist, but to use the incredibly broad and lethal and potentially lethal powers that his membership in the FBI gets him, which is I feel like as a viewer, you are meant to think, ah, okay, he's a rebel. He he's he's a he's a renegade. He plays by his own rules in pursuit of the truth. Whereas in reality, that in a very real way makes him much more horrifying. Yeah, he's just kind of a weird stalker. He's <laughs> a weird stalker with, to a certain extent, a license Obsessive. to kill. And the problem is, like, a, a thing I kept thinking about in this episode was, okay, so you got UFOs. And I started thinking, like, all right, so aliens are here. And there's all these conspiracy theories. But, like, the FBI can't really, like, arrest foreign nationals. <laughs> like, what is an alien if not a, you know? Like, what is an alien if not a foreign national? Like, you still need to, do you need to go to their embassy or, like, involve Interpol or something? Like, you still are not, you still are not the cop in charge of aliens, like... Well, he they, kind of is, though, because they, by by being like, Mulder, you go over in that office where we we won't deal with you and we'll just keep you around so we can use you. They kind of made him accidentally like the guy who deals with the aliens. <laughs> He's the exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, and then, you know, when shit goes down, they're like, okay, Mulder, we will take it from here. You go back to your office. He's like, no, no, this is what I do. Damn it. Let me have this. I guess this is the flaw in the idea of like the secret alien conspiracy theory is that like, it's hard to imagine how any given alien civilization could be more evil than, like, the Kingdom of Saud. And they have embassies. I <laughs> they mean, have, like, diplomatic attaches. I won't spoil anything, but the show, definitely. I mean, the the thing about the show in, the, like, the mythology episodes is usually, like, yeah, there's aliens, but what about the fucking government? They're way worse. <laughs> like, yeah. they're way more evil than aliens, because humans are the real alien you know it's like that whole thing you know wait is the, the the thing that the thing that makes me what the thing that makes me wonder is like the the government is able to normalize so many things so many vicious apartheids and like horrifying right. horrifying acts of exploitation in an era where information is completely free by just like you just give them an embassy yeah, it's fine. And set up some like weapons contracts, and it turns out half the country will go. This is good, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. <laughs> so chill. why not just get? Why not just give the Grays like an embassy? So what happens in this episode, though? Sorry, no, it's fine. It was good. So after Ruby vanishes, uh, and there's Kevin, uh, a young blonde child that's very smart. Scully gets brought in. Uh, one of the FBI uh, instructors is like, "Yo." 
Mulder requested to go to Iowa, and we have no clue why the fuck he'd go to Iowa. Like the the Oregon trip made sense, but (laughs) (laughs) Iowa makes no sense. And then Blevins shows her the um, the case on Mulder's sister, which is actually a development of what Mulder referenced, I believe, in the pilot Mm -hmm. uh, that his sister was abducted, or he believes that she was abducted, and that's why he's like so into the X Files stuff. So this is a nice, I think, development of. You know, if this was like a Netflix series being broadcast today, this would have been like episode two and like this is all it would have yeah. been. But this is kind of a nice like seeding of like a development of Mulder's character. I think this is a great Mulder episode yes. for sort of like he gets to be really vulnerable in a way that he you've seen like sort of like cracks of it, like little moments of it peeking here and out. But this is like really a Mulder episode, um, obviously at the end, which I love. The yeah, most. I really love how it's a Mulder it's getting inside the head of Mulder, but it is not a mythology episode. It's just a run yeah, of the mill yeah. X file. And it's just like, Hey, let's look at this from Mulder's perspective in history. It's like, wow, that's really good. And it doesn't like, it's also like episode four. So we've kind of gotten into the general feel of things. I feel like if this was episode two, it'd be a little like, we're really piling it on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to deal with Mulder's sister yeah, forever, exactly. aren't we? But, like, it's just kind of sprinkled in here. Mulder's sister is also, like, not the focal point of the episode. It, it subconsciously and, and subtly is, but it's not, like, directly the plot. So it's... It's it, it's, an, it's a focus of the episode for exactly. Mulder, not, not everyone else. But, like, that character, it, right. this and is Right, and there are a lot sister. of really great underlying things that, like, drive his motivations in this episode that are not outright stated they're stated in some places but like most of the time it's like oh you can see why Mulder is doing this if you think about it and that's really I I appreciate that it puts a lot of faith in the audience which is good and also there's some really weird crazy shit and still at the end of the episode it's kind of like well were there aliens I don't know they still do that you know well so so the reason that Mulder wants to go to Okoboji he shares with Mulder is or sorry, mm-hmm. with Scully, is he shows that there was abductions the, that happened. There's a very cute exchange where Scully lists off, like, here are all the other tabloid headlines. Why aren't we investigating the <laughs> yeah. 100-year-old woman with the lizard baby? And then and then Mulder, <laughs> cool as a cucumber, says, because the 100-year-old woman doesn't live near Lake Okaboge. And Scully's like, this is, this is just very good character writing, and Scully's like, what's in Lake Okaboge? And Mulder says, well, there's good trout fishing, if that's what you're into, and it's also a UFO hot fire. <laughs> has a whole fucking, like, ring of... Se- like, the thing is, He's got Mulder slides. Is, Let me show Mulder you my PowerPoint. Is that kid who's at the party and, like, sits down at a piano and starts playing it, and everybody's like, wow, how are you so good? He's like, oh, you know, it's just a thing I do. When, like, you don't see he like, practicing every night for three months. Like, Mulder <laughs> is so dedicated to looking cool that it makes him look like a dork, because you can't okay. then realize he knew why Scully went to the office to have that meeting. He <laughs> yeah, knew so, she was yeah. going to come back and ask. And this <laughs> is like, the perfect uh, uh, analogy is the guy on i think you should leave who they're doing like the um the charades thing or the the guess the celebrity thing and they're all it's all roy roy bonk the guy who plays the saxophone with the kink in it and everybody's like what the fuck are you talking about he's like come on now everybody knows roy bonk you know, <laughs> he's that guy. Where be your nutcracker? That's that's Mulder. He's that person. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, he, he's just like, obviously, Lake Okaboji has the... the <laughs> she's like, like goddammit. Um, and it turns out there was, a, there was a Girl Scout troop that witnessed <laughs> one, and the lady whose daughter was subducted, rumble, 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 uh, <laughs> was one of the Girl Scouts. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they go to Iowa. Curse um, uh, curiously, curiously looks at the Pacific Northwest. It's weird. It's <laughs> um, weird. Every place looks like it. A lot of, lot of evergreens in Iowa, let me tell you. As, a, as an alum of the University of Iowa, I can tell you, there's so many evergreens <laughs> there. Um... So they go to Iowa and meet the Morrisons. I hope they don't go to South Carolina at any point. <laughs> it's just all fucking no. fog and giant fucking sequoias. <laughs> it's it's springtime. Right. Um, <laughs> some plastic hanging moss hanging <laughs> off of some giant fucking pine trees. Some Spanish moss on like the sequoias. Yeah. We see, I think, um, a little a moderately okay creepy kid acting from Kevin where he's writing binary stuff on the on pieces of yeah. paper. He's looking at um, static he's, he's watching yeah, TV. on a TV screen and writing binary. And, and, this was, I, and I think this was after Poltergeist had come out. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so this was an image that was pretty solidly embedded in the cultural unconscious of, oh, that's fucking creepy. Because it was like all yeah, over no. all the movie posters and everything and there was no internet, so memes lasted a lot longer. Well, it's just like, I think you have to appreciate Chris Carter for just, like, paying homage. Not in, like, super overt yeah. ways, but just like, this is a creepy kid watching a static-filled TV. He's got well, the pulse And, and I don't kid. know how much experience y'all have with being around children, but they do, they do fucked up and creepy shit all the time. Because they <laughs> behave constantly in ways that if an adult behaved like that, you would want to have a knife on you at right. all times. But they're little kids, so it's fine. But they do, little kids do constantly, like, come in your room and go, like, did you ever, like, hey, you remember how you told me about how people die? You ever think about if people who die are uh, in the reflection world inside our mirror watching us all the time? Like, they just say it. They don't know how not to. They tap tap into that id, and then you have to be like, oh, geez. It's because they're a child, and they don't know that. Yeah. Our existence is terrifying. You're not supposed to bring it up all the time. And they're, and they're also, if they're under a certain age, basically constantly tripping on mushrooms. Um, just like seeing things, and like they don't understand the difference between imagining something and perceiving it. So yeah, Chris Carter's not too far off the mark. So then, like, I'm trying to remember the process. They, they, do they go to the bar? No, the bar's later. No, no, no. So um, they they get send the code over for them to be. That's like, right. What the does code the yeah. mean? because of course well, Mulder they, is like. They also oh, talk to the cop. The cop slut shames the girl who disappeared real hard. Oh in, in a very yeah. Old time way, like while well, she was constantly going in the back seat of cars and throwing he's... up on the side of the road. Character actor Michael Cavanaugh. Yeah, amazing. He's also kind of like no relation. I, he's, he's like, I can't be bothered with this shit because, like, she disappeared all the time and new and I'm like, well, what else the fuck do you do in this little town in Iowa? Like, I don't know. I'm sure well, they'd it. be harassing her all the time, to be honest, but I guess once she disappears, it's He like, drives to the local great. diner, gets his coffee and omelet, goes back to the office, mm-hmm. reads the newspaper, Storm has lunch. Yeah, I can't be bothered with this shit. Um, so, yeah, he's like, she was in a lot of trouble. They they do, and then Tessa. They yeah, that's Tessa right. There. There's a that's right. In the library. A, a furtive, and Tessa a is local girl at the library talks to them through a bookshelf. 
<laughs> um, and so she says that Ruby had gotten pregnant, was going to run away with her boyfriend, whose name is Greg. And then they go to find Greg where he works. And that's where they find the, the motor, the, the biker bar. And they see the guy. Yeah. Um, again, another great character actor, uh, uh, Charles uh, Siafi, I think. And there are Confederate flags all over this place, which it is accurate to. That's Iowa. It, it, well, it's accurate to what biker bars are like. And it's accurate to something that always vexed me as a Southerner, which is like. The, the Confederate battle flag is bad no matter where you fly it, but when I see it in, like, the South, yeah. it's like, okay, like, this is still bad, but I can see, I can see how especially, like, a dumb guy can just, like, never have encountered why they shouldn't. Yeah. But, like, I see it in Iowa and, like, on the West Coast in the Pacific Northwest, or, like, in Canada. I've seen it in Japan, and it's like, there's no plausible deniability here. Everybody knows what you're doing. Yeah, um, I guess, like, the only way you could maybe try to excuse is, like, I don't know what it's about. I thought it looked neat. It's like, you know, yeah. when you're, like, five years old and you draw swastikas on stuff. Well, like, yeah, whereas I, knew, whereas I knew guys growing up in, like, Chattanooga who were, like, dyed-in-the-wool Marxists who mm-hmm. just, like, were also kind of, like, book-dumb and grew up poor and hadn't had it point and had genuinely thought that it meant, like, what their dad told them it meant. Right. And then the moment, the moment it was pointed out to them, they went, oh, oh, no, and threw it, threw it in the trash and burned it. When you're or in a biker like, bar, though, it's like, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure I know what's going on here. Um, The bartender seemed really familiar. I don't know where I've seen bartender it. also seemed really gay. Yeah. Oh, wow. In a, in a very, in a very, like, lead I, I mean, I guess there's a lot of cross pollination between like, between like hard gay, a buffet of masculinity, and semi right wing scenes. I feel like he was in like Bloodsport or something, and I'm not going to find the person's name. I don't know, but he seemed really familiar. Um, anyway, he his eye is burned. I mean, his ear is burned up. Mm-hmm. He's like, check out yeah, my uh, ear. Don Gibb. You saw Don Gibb. You saw him in Revenge of the Nerds. <gasps> he was open. That that's why he looks he so was familiar. One of the two good guys he is the nerds. he is Ray Jackson. He's the one like, he is, yeah, he's one of the two heroes of the movie. He is Ray Jackson in Bloodsport. Perfect. I knew that was him. Okay, I was like, I could have sworn this guy was like. I said this. This is like just like this perfect deep bench of like guest stars. You're like, holy shit! I'm that so guy. sad that everybody knows that Revenge of the Nerds. The protagonists are deeply evil and bad. And so now, when I say yeah. things like oh, "like ogre" and the other guy are the heroes of Revenge of the Nerds, everybody's just like, "Yeah, duh, obviously." Yeah, the turn on that's been something serious. But um, so his ears burned up because he knows about like Okajobi or whatever. A, he got a sunburn in the middle of the night. Whoa! And then um, I think around now they probably find out what the code is. It's something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, they find out what the code is because the. Oh, the... Is it that they're at they're at the hotel? They're at their hotel and yeah, because the NSA, NSA agent shows up at Scully. Rex shop. Oh, there's over. there's a teaser first. Which okay, so again... first when they first go, the lady's like, "Look, this is like I don't know the fucking it's a image of the fucking Mona Lisa or something." And oh yeah, yeah, they're all this different. Is a, this is a double strand yeah. DNA, and, and then, then this is music. And which that, and... that's not how gold. That's not how. Binary code words. You can't just click it. <laughs> Mayor, Mayor, listen. They plugged it into the computer. They did one one zero zero one zero zero one, and then all of a sudden, Brandon Burke. Listen, it just pulled up. Played. It was a hyperlink to the to the Netscape 
URL. It's fine. Wait, it doesn't I'm just matter. saying that in 2002, it took me an hour to get Winamp set up exactly the way I wanted it. <laughs> really? With the long ass. Even, yeah. There was still an even chance that if I got something off of fucking Kazaa, it wouldn't play right. I would have really liked if, if, I mean, obviously it was before that time, but if she was like, look, it's an image of the Mona Lisa and here's System of a Down, the Zelda song, dot MP3. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, but but they do that teaser and then the agents eventually show up at Mulder's hotel and they're like, it's not even like you're a loose cannon, Mulder. It's like, we're gonna fucking throw you in prison for treason or some crazy shit. And he's like, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, these are like confidential uh, satellite information from the Pentagon that this kid had. How the fuck did you get this? And it's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, because this is the last time he interfered. So he has everybody in the FBI on a pretty good leash because he's friends with some congressmen. Right. Um, and he also, I assume, off screen is closing cases that nobody else wants to deal with. Yeah. And the last time he interfered with another state agency, it was the military, and they had the assets on base to just wipe his brain and kick him out. No fuss, no muss. <laughs> but now he's dealing with the NSA. The NSA don't give a... The, and so they're members of another agency. They don't give a shit what congressman he's friends with, and they also don't have a brain wiping lab on hand. No. So yeah, they're just gonna kick in the door and be like, "Hey, nerd, we know you're handsome, but stop." I got the sense they don't even know. I mean, they kind of know what Mulder's deal is, but it was kind of like, "How the fuck did you even get this information?" Like they don't even know what specifically is going on. They just know that Mulder somehow stepped in it, and they're like, "Now you're really fucked up," and. Yeah, they find out it's some kind of it's it's confidential information that there's no way anybody would fucking have, especially a little kid. Do they like take the kid? I think that's what happens. They just like fucking go to the house and take them for questioning or some shit. Yeah, they take all his all his stuff with him. And you can tell that's really hard for Mulder because um, it's like, oh, well, I for, for, first of all, I basically fucked them over. And second of all, it's like he gets to watch like this kid gets separated from his mother and it's like, you know, uh, now I do, I do want to dial back for yeah. one moment real quick. Cause you mentioned like her, uh, Darlene and the family losing trust for him. Mulder is like one of the worst investigators I've bad. ever seen. Cause he just looks feeding them like all the information is like, and that's where the UFOs took you from. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, and then they took your daughter and there was loud noises well... and like lights. Was there, the lights and the sound, they made you scared. Right. Oh well, God, when he, he and Darlene have the conversation, I mean, it's bad from a police perspective or, or a FBI perspective, but it's like very clearly him and Darlene immediately connect over this whole thing. It, it's like the, the show sets up like Darlene lost her daughter and Mulder lost well, his sister. it's also not an especially bad conversation from a journalism right. perspective. Right, you're trying to get inside the head of the person. Yeah, yeah, and the, the show and the show posits that an that an FBI agent, the way they should be, is one third scientist, one third journalist, one third cop, a hundred percent concentrated. Uh, drive the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred ten percent. Remember right. the name. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, from from a perspective of like, is Mulder trying to get? And this is kind of throughout the show. Is Mulder trying to actually figure out the truth, or just figure out? that what he already believes is true is confirmed through whoever he talks to, which is like, yeah, 
and Scully's there like, oh boy, oh boy, he's going through it. He's really, he's really doing it. Um, but then Mulder does do good, does do good detective work when he looks at the top of yeah. the camper and find that it's like all ashy. And then they, um, they find a, go to the actual lake. They itself. find the sand that's the, the tree line that's been damaged and the sand that turned into glass somehow. No, you 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 can, but like the I've seen um when lightning strikes when lightning strikes make sand like glass and yeah. sand, it looks it does not look like shards in the way that like it shows in right. the show. They're uh, sort of like spirals. Oh, is that how is that um, how we figured the, out how to make glass originally? You think was like um, I don't know, but like um when when you make um when I've seen glass blowing classes, they use sand as a base to um start to build glass from but the thing is is like my my thing with that is like the things that they find are not explicitly and scully is shooting down a lot of it the whole time which is like good like because it's not really aha there's sand here so there's there's glass here so aliens uh the trees are burnt so aliens you know the top of the camper's burnt (laughs) must have been aliens what did it um oh and then they find the wolves and they find the body. And Mulder immediately starts fucking with the crime scene. Oh, yeah. And that's, that again, that's clearly, like, Mulder is, like, personally invested in this. Because, and you get, he's like, what if it's blah, blah, blah. And you get the sense, it's like, what if this is literally my sister? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not. But, yeah, that's, it's kind of like, this whole thing is kind of an arc of, Mulder's in too deep emotionally, and is he going to be able to separate himself from his work? Um, that's kind of his arc throughout the episode. But it's not like, again, it's not the main plot. It's just like, hey, we have a cool little plot for X-Files, and we'll also do this character arc during the whole show. So it's really well made in that sense. Um, whose body was it again? I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, it's been um, like two. It's been like the, two. The body is Greg Randall. It's, it's the boyfriend. The boyfriend. Oh, it's the boyfriend. Okay. It's, yeah. a, it's all Greg. That's what they find by the wolves. Yeah, and then oh, somewhere along all this, I think it was before this scene. They go back to the kids' house and they find more of the binary and they like lay it out. And this is like the coolest shot in the show. They lay it all out and like they're looking around. They can't make anything out of it. And then Scully goes to go upstairs. And she, like, looks down and all the binary is just a fucking picture, a massive fucking picture of the girl that was abducted. Um, also not how it yeah. works. Someone came there and laid it out, who knows, when, the, after the family was abducted. But someone's like, here's all the stuff the NSA didn't collect. Well, you know, maybe maybe the kid laid it out. I don't know. Right before he was... Yeah, Well, and they yeah. also find um, a note in Greg's wallet that leads him to believe that it was Tessa, not Ruby, who was pregnant. Um, so, they were but this really quick, abortion. I want to talk about the fact that, and I hate being this person that's like, uh, actually, explosions in space shouldn't make sound. <laughs> but are you telling me <laughs> that uh-huh. something was projecting the equivalent of game logo art from the top of a fucking game facts page, right? And that that happened, and that that just happened to contain a thumbnail of the Mona Lisa. And important NSA, like, cryptography info. Well, no, not just that. So, if you notice the way that the kid Claude, Kevin wrote the ones and zeros. Find the person who made his fucking Four Swords Adventures 
God. I want to well, get no, you know, I want to see You're saying someone, but it was clearly aliens what did it. Like, the aliens yeah, sent him the signals. So, yeah. It, it, well, it wasn't. Okay, so the zeros and the ones. This is like layers upon layers because right. the zeros and the ones were like, demonstrated. Like if you plugged, if you plugged the computer, they turn into the binary helix yeah. and uh, or, or double files, helix and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But the the way the kid wrote the zeros exactly. and ones, if you laid them all out, it'd be the picture exactly. of his sister. He organized them in a way, and and again, it's because the aliens gave him that information in that specific context uh, to do that. So it was very, yeah, it's. I don't think you're supposed to think too hard about it. It's just supposed to be weird and creepy and aliens. What did it? Um, so, I mean, and it's a cool image, which is most of the show. Like a lot of the show is yeah. like, I have this really cool fucking idea for a creepy thing. I did. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. And the, and you get to get away with not because aliens why, what did it because yeah. well, because it's, it's a mystery. It's supposed to be a conspiracy. It's right. supposed to leave you guessing. And I actually think that's a strength oh, yeah. of the show, though, because I feel like if this was in 2020, we'd have to have an explanation for why this happened. And there'd be like throwaway dialogue somewhere with like a, you know, an investigative tech was like, well, the the brainwaves reconfigured this kid's brain. And that's how right. he's able to uh, convolute yeah. the things. And you'd be like, oh, you'd have five episodes about this shit. shit. Um, also, I think also um the writers yeah. probably Every watch time I go off the rails. It's good to be reminded that this could have been Stranger Things. Oh, right, exactly. So, also, I think the writers watched Twin Peaks and they saw that episode with the the Pentagon space messages, and they were like, "Ooh, we could do that." Like, but what if it's a big like, image? Yeah, sure, okay. What if it's a big image of Laura Palmer too? You know, like they they just you know had the idea and they were like, "Cool." Um, which, like I said, it's like one of the neater things about this episode. Um, yeah. That happens, then they... Okay, so they find the body. It ends up being all a pregnancy thing. They end up having to go back to the forest. Like, oh, how do, how do, how do Darlene and the kid end up in the forest? I don't even remember that. So They get um, let go by the feds, I guess. The, they find out that Tessa actually killed Greg herself, right. um, but then says that Ruby wasn't at the lake that night. So, like... Like, like, she wasn't hanging out with Tessa, which is what, um, so, like, there was no real abduction that yeah. happened. And that's when, the, that's when they go back to the house, they find the papers and stuff, and then they go back to, like, Okoboji, mm-hmm. and they find, I don't know why, they find Darlene and Kevin in the nearby woods, and then a motorcycle gang appears, and as Mulder's rushing to, like, rescue the kid, and, like, it's sort of a creepy moment is of, like, aliens? there's these weird lights in the re- direction, the distance there's They did rumbling. it in the pilot, too. Is that yeah. UFOs? No, it's not UFOs. Listen... Listeners, you don't know how many times a motorcycle driven bat driven past my apartment, like just blasting. It's itself. so loud and obvious. My what it is. I live in a I live in a neighborhood in Brooklyn that is like predominantly uh, like like uh, Afro Latino and Afro Caribbean, and there's a lot of motorcycle gangs. And you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of people who exist within a racialized construct. Uh, Context who have felt emasculated their whole lives, who are trying to access traditional American modes of masculinity. I think that's just great for them, and I love that they have this avenue available. Sometimes a bitch is sleeping. Though. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, well, <laughs> it's like 
all that to say, though, you can't mistake y'all, a carburetor. But y'all, y'all need to keep in mind that in the early '90s, those those big honking motorcycles, they just snuck up on you. Like you didn't hear them until they were right next to you. That's how it worked, at least according to this show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, acoustics acoustics were different back then. Yeah. Not many people are saying this, but I am. <laughs> I am saying this. So Scully finds Ruby nearby. Um, and then uh, they take Ruby to the hospital, make sure she's okay. I love this scene. And this, there's a really yeah. cool moment where, um, for some reason, Scully has her medical records and is running down, like, all the tests done on her and not what her blood work is like. And Mulder's like, does she have blah, 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 and uh, white blood cell count elevated? This is cool. Yeah. I like and, this moment. Yeah. And Scully's like, you're right, Mulder. Lymphocytes. And he's you like, yeah, because fucking, that's, yeah. And he, and he like brushes off his shoulder. He's like, "Yeah, because fucking astronauts have that and pro- prolonged weightlessness. That's how it yeah, works." It's because aliens. And and, what did yeah. it, Scully? Hello, check yeah, out my Mulder, slides. Mulder, guess what? <laughs> she could have been scuba diving for a very long Correct, time. Correct. Yeah. Well, I guess wait. I guess the weight would have been pulling. No, because the weight would have been pulling down on her bones and her blood and stuff. That's different. Fuck. Mulder's right. Fuck. Mulder's I'm. Right. I'm sure there's probably other things that cause that too, and Mulder's just conjecturing. But you know, uh, what I really like is the scene after that. What? No, no, she got abducted. I, I mean, of course she, she did because the I show is going to convince you. There is eventually an episode about how there's also aliens that live inside of Earth. Yes. I'm gonna keep saying. I'm gonna keep, and I don't know which episode it is. I'm going to keep saying, "Ha ha ha!" This character got subducted over and over and over again. Until eventually we get to the episode <laughs> where they do where get subducted, where they yeah. do, and I'm not gonna no, say it. No. I'm gonna, everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna be like, ah, we're gonna get to that episode. It's gonna be so funny no, when she does it, no. and then I'm gonna take it from them because I'm a woman and it's my right to, to hector and browbeat every man. In well, the that's a good segue because Matt, Matt, as as the resident contrarian, Bert, um, my role on the show. No, you're the no, but I'm my the role Mulder. on the sh- or no, you're sorry, you're the Mulder on the show. Oh no, it's. It's the other way around. My my res my my role on this uh, Patreon exclusive special episode series is that look the X Files the show. This is not really a spoiler. Will eventually just prove you correct that there are aliens. But well, yeah, but I know that. My hypothesis. No, no, no. My right. hypothesis is that is when the show is not as good because. No, it's not as good because there's alien bounty hunters. No, that's not why. That's not why. The reason why, the thing that makes the show good is that you cannot tell. There's always a gray area. So when it's like, oh, look, you found some. A gray. Exactly. You found some blood tests that could mean weightlessness. Yeah, but they can mean a lot of things. Oh, oh, the sand got superheated and turned into sand. I mean, got turned into glass. Yeah, well, that happens sometimes for um, all kinds of reasons. You know, like, we don't have to just show the aliens. There's, you know. there's alien bounty hunters in Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, and that whips ass, actually, so. Yeah. Yeah, but the alien bounty hunters in this are really stupid. But, well, but the alien bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back are very dumb. But, One of them is just a bunch of car mufflers. But, Matt. You, were, you put some respect Matt, on IG-88's like name. A, I swear like to fucking God. Uh, Matt, my... my <laughs> The crucial point I'm making here, though, is that once there are definitely, definitely aliens, that kind of ruins the effect of the show. So, like, it being like, yeah, well, that means weightlessness. Ooh, what do you think? Could it be? That's better than, no, there's definitely aliens. That sucks. It's not as fun. Like, you need the mystery and the 
the gray areas. So I think the I think the cons- well, I mean, that's getting way too far down the line. Right, we'll but that's why there. I we'll like that's there, part hopefully. of why I like that scene. If you not say this in um, part, I really like the scene after that where Mulder is just going after Darlene to get her daughter to like come out yeah, with her this story. Is, this is the reminder in this episode that Mulder, for all of his wackiness and for all of his fusion of what should be three different jobs in a right thinking society, um, Mulder is dangerous. Like, yeah. Mulder is, even within the fiction of the X-Files universe, I contend that Mulder is, more so than most cops, very dangerous to the health and continued liberty of everyone he interacts with. Right. So the but the full end of this arc is he's like, your daughter needs to tell her story, or she's she's gonna need to tell it, and he and and the mother's like, I don't give a shit. I got my I no, got I my got daughter back. back. Yeah. What the fuck? And I'm tired of dealing with fucking feds and weirdos who treat us like shit. All I wanted was my daughter back, and now I'm gonna just forget the whole fucking thing because I don't care anymore. And Mulder's like, yeah. And that's a very it's such a human right. reaction too, like. In in a less, especially in a, given the episode, well it's treated like shit the whole time. Well, yeah, it, you know. Yeah. Well, in a less well done episode, and I think this is again a tribute to um, the the actress, you know, Carrie Snodgrass mm-hmm. doing this. It's so fucking human because, like, as a viewer, as someone who's like, you know, you you idealize stories. I want her to do what's right, and that's to tell her truth and tell the story. And but she's like, no, I have my family. I'm going to protect my family and fuck everything I else. Do like. That's what I'm going to do. I also like the speaking in terms of the human stakes of this episode. I like so far, so we're four episodes in and I've seen two more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the episodes that I like, whether they're campy or not, are the episodes where I tend not to like when the X-Files does action. Yeah. It tends to register as kind of goofy to me, especially because... Mulder and Scully are not especially physically potent characters, and so, like, it's cool when Scully... I, I guess it's cool when Scully fights off Plastic Man. So, yeah. But that didn't really scratch what I was it's coming very at. Short, it's very short. Right? right? It's Yeah, and, like, there was the moment in the episode with the brain-wiping technology where, like, that one journalist, like, she finds his security papers and, like, a switch flips, and all of a sudden he's the source of menace. But for the most part, when Mulder and Scully have their sidearm out or are in like real like physical peril, right. I'm not feeling the emotion that so far is the emotion that I like from X Files. And it almost it almost feels like uh it almost feels like the reason that people haven't been able to make this I mean, besides the Lovecraft sucks, the reason that people are very often not able to make good cosmic horror like video games is that they don't understand that Cthulhu isn't scary if you just shoot it. Right. Like, they go, like <laughs> you know, Innsmouth is not a very scary town in a world where you just go get a Tommy gun and a bunch of dynamite and come in and stop blast. That they are scary if... That, uh, that all of this alien investigatorship is scary and engaging when one is a man or a woman of science, an open, inquisitive mind searching right. against all odds for answers um, that they uh, that they dread finding but cannot resist searching for. Um, and I like that in this episode, that like the most physical danger they ever seem to be in are like when the NSA might arrest Mulder or the wolves, when like yeah. some yeah, or when some bikers come over a hill. 
even the wolves didn't have like any sort of menace to yeah, them. Like, that's the only time the gun comes yeah, out, though. It's you know, like, but but I just mean, yeah, it, it ties. I agree, and it ties into my thesis, which is like, one, if you don't know what is actually running things on the show, it's way more interesting. Action usually implies like you know what the threat is, and you have to fight it, and that means that the mystery is kind of gone most of the time. It's like, yeah, oh, like people the, are going to punch and shoot at each other, and it's like we know the rules, a, you know. There's a scene in the next episode with the bit with the Sasquatch breasts mm-hmm. um, that has like a prolonged chase scene through a warehouse, and then Mulder fights a Sasquatch woman, and that's what I'm thinking of when I think of like what I like from X Files versus what kind of bores me. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, this is a good episode. And honestly, the Stretchy Man episode was a good episode that had minimal physical peril. Exactly. Um, and, like, stunt work. Whereas you will hear in the next episode that I'm not impressed with X-Files as an action show. Jersey Devil's not <laughs> one of the better episodes. Uh, now, I, yeah. Well, and bef- before yeah. we close out today, I want to point, um, there's also a really beautiful, and this is the kind of shit that right. I eat up. As a, as a listener or as a viewer, <clears throat> when um, at the end of the episode, Mulder is um, mm-hmm. in a church. Scully is listening to his hypnosis regression stuff, which is, of course, bullshit. <laughs> but um, Mulder is talking about his sister's abduction. And it's just so fucking beautiful to me. He's in this church, sort of in a, a moment of like prayer or reverie. Like you get the sense that he's mm-hmm. sort of like religious in this place. And... Um, you hear him say, I want to yeah, believe. Yeah, this whole speech where and he I calls just, God a feckless thug. I was going to say the Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> the Aaron Sorkin speech. Yeah. No, sorry. It's, it was I just, I just love that sorry. sort it of like, I just, I just, <laughs> I just love this sort of like the multiple layers of meaning that you can like work into yeah. this like very potent phrase of I want to believe because it's not an expression of like, I want to believe there's something else out there like that sort of um the, the sci-fi fans like wanderlust and desire for like there has to be more than like what we live in right now but there's also i want to believe in god i want to believe my sister's gonna be gonna be better i want to believe that she's gonna be safe that she's gonna come back to me like these voices promised me and i want to believe in that sort of yearning it's just so fucking yeah what what beautiful. i like I about it is that. when he says i want to believe it is not like i think when most people take uh, I want to believe from this show or trust no one. It's like check out this cool thing on the poster with the UFO. Like I'm a I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. I love the X Files. Taught me I was weird when I was a kid. But this is like when he says it. It's like I have no other choice in my life but to go on believing this because otherwise, like I can't internally reconcile my fucking sister's disappearance. Like it's very desperate and kind yeah. of sad yes. it's not like i'm cool and i want to believe in aliens you know it's like oh geez my whole fucking life's falling apart and i this is all i have left it's like very it's an interesting turn on all that it, it, Matt, i'm just imagining someone if someone's like i'm a slither because i have no other choice <laughs> <laughs> they're in fucking church they're in fucking church like oh god i'm just such a slither and jesus i don't know what to do anymore <laughs> I wanted to be a Hufflepuff so bad, but I can't. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin's next speech coming to a horrible show. <laughs> I'm, Aaron, I'm Aaron Sorkin. That's funny for all the couple um, of I got it. 
Um, any last thoughts on uh, Conduit? This is, I think, one of the. I don't know if it's my favorite so far, but it's the 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 whole biker plot line mm-hmm. does nothing for me. But yeah, Mulder, it would be cool if aliens took all of his away. I'll admit that, like, the, the Tombs character doesn't do a lot for me. So this is, to me, more interesting, but I'm also, like, I I mean, look, we've already established this. I'm the UFO person on the cast where, like, I really do believe in UFOs, and I am, like, that's the stuff that I enjoy. I enjoy um, this episode a lot. Like, going back to my memory of it before watching, I was like, I don't really, I was like, oh, that's the one with the ASCII art. And I was like, um, I think it was cool. But it was very, I would say it's very underrated, because going back to watch it, I was like, oh, wow, this is way better than I remember. Like, because of all this, the character stuff. Yeah. This episode feels like one of the episodes of a long-running TV show that maybe doesn't have the standout lines or the standout characters that everybody remembers right. um, for a long time. But oftentimes when you go back and watch those episodes, those episodes are actually kind of weird and not very exemplary of like what that show was like. Right. Whereas, like, this is one of the episodes that provides kind of the base, seems like it provides some of the base assumptions and, like, establishes some of the base, like, ideas of what X-Files. It's a foundational episode, but not one of the weird ones that everybody remembers. It's just an episode that shows up and does its job well and evokes X-Files-ness. Yeah. Um. In a very way. Those are my favorite kind of like DS9 episodes. Yeah. Right. Or I'm thinking like TNG, like um, like a, one of the season two ones that really sets things up that people forget about yeah. because it's season two and it doesn't have the things you, you know. Or like even later season episodes, everybody remembers Below Decks, but to a certain extent, everybody remembers Below Decks because it is a weird episode of TNG that is not like yeah, most episodes a, right, of TNG. Right. But like, uh, I always forget the name of it. There's there's an episode, it's like the Defector or something, where they, they capture the dude, and that yeah, show's yeah. like incredible for its character work, but it's in season two and nobody ever remembers it because it's just what, it's foundational to the show. But you go back and watch yeah. it, you're like, holy shit, this is good. It's just not Darmok. It's not different from what they normally do. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, we've seen the pilot, and we've seen the brain-wiping episode, mm-hmm. and we've seen the episode with Toons. Yeah. And we've seen this one. Yeah. Um, and I've watched ahead a couple. Uh, and we'll get to these eventually. But I'll, I'll go ahead and tell y'all that my favorite episode so far is the Electricity Ghost episode. So, okay. <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite. <laughs> really? Go, you're yeah, talking Ghost it. in the Machine? Yeah. Even the people that wrote that one hate it. So I'm actually I excited to talk about it. this. I love okay. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. We'll get to that soon. Next week, we're going to talk about the Jersey Devil. Thank we're you for supporting about, the Patreon. Thank you for supporting please. us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll see you all next week with the Jersey Devil. Stay spooky. See ya. Bye. Uh, trust no numeral one. Um, Fast and the Furious, too spooky for you. They, I'm sure they'll assume that I'm holding up a two of them. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>